Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be breaking down the Monday, February 6th slate of DFS College Basketball. Honestly, it's a small slate, only two games, but it should be a good one. We got two games that are going to be fun to watch, uh, involve quality teams, and should be pretty a like kind of fun to build lineups for. I think there's a lot of different routes you can go, a lot of different options that you can look at in terms of building your lineups for uh, Monday's slate. So here on this podcast, we're going to break down both these games uh, and talk about kind of the players that are, you know, trending up, trending down, just where everything stands for a DFS perspective heading into Monday night. Now, if you like what you're hearing on the podcast, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps me out a lot. Last week, we had 97 different people listen to a college basketball episode here on the podcast, which is great because honestly, the DFS college basketball community is not that big. So I'd like to expand that though. Let's do better. So um, please rate, subscribe, review. Helps get the word out, helps people find me, and uh, I want to get that number 200 this week. That is my goal for the number. Um, also, make sure you follow me on Twitter. I'll be dropping extra stats and facts that I don't always get to on the show, and I'm more than happy to answer any lineup or start sick questions if you reach out to me. All right, enough with the introductions. Let's go ahead and start talking Monday's slate, but first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. For a small two-game slate, it can usually be very beneficial to game stack one game or the other, but this particular slate is a hard one to do that with because both these games should be pretty similar in game flow. All four of these teams played an above-average tempo. All four of these teams are good offensive teams and fairly good defensive teams as well. But in fact, the totals in this game are eerily similar. In the first game, Miami versus Duke, Miami is three-point favorites and the total is 146. In the second game, Kansas versus Texas, Kansas is three-point favorites and the total is 147. Crazy similar, right? So I don't really think there's one game that you would just be obvious to stack. Game stacking is still obviously an option, especially in GPPs, but it's not outright obvious which one you're going to want to do that with. So if you pick one, you better get it right. Now, like I said, eerily similar game flow for both these games, right? And considering that Vegas generally values home court advantage at about three points, these games are pretty much two games between two very similar quality teams, which should make for some really good basketball for us to watch on Monday night. Miami versus Duke is actually a rematch. Duke won the first meeting this season 68-66 to at Cameron Indoor Stadium, and that was a pretty good game. So hopefully, you know, this one will deliver and give us another good game. Kansas versus Texas is not a rematch this season, but these two teams did match up twice last year with fairly similar rosters. Like, I'm not saying they're exactly the same, but there's a lot of, you know, common characters in those games and this one. So um, that will give us a little bit of data to look at for that one. Now, in terms of the slate as a whole, only three players on this slate are above 8K in salary. And I really don't think there's a whole lot of value on this slate either. A lot of the, or really all four of these teams are pretty tight with their rotations and the guys are either like locked in or locked out of the rotations. There's not a whole lot of guys that, you know, contribute in spots. So it's going to be pretty hard to find value on this slate. Only one injury to monitor, and that is Duke's Dariq Whitehead. As of recording right now on Sunday night, I would say that it's more likely that he doesn't play. Uh, and if he does play, I don't really think that's going to eat into a whole lot of players on Duke, maybe Mark Mitchell and uh, Ryan Young. But I think Derek Lively's role is pretty locked in. I think Kyle Filipowski's role is pretty locked in. So I don't think that that's going to affect a whole lot of people, even if he does play. All right, let's start talking about the guard position now. So Isaiah Wong of Miami really struggled against Duke the first time these two teams played. He only had 13 fantasy points on 25 minutes. He was two for eight from the field in that game, which tied his season low for shot attempts. And it was also a season low 
for minutes in a competitive game. Like he played less minutes in like these massive blowouts against crappy teams, but in a competitive game such as like, or any conference game really, that was his low in minutes. And he wasn't in like super foul trouble either. He only ended the game with three fouls. So I can't quite figure out why he only played 25 minutes, but it just was not a good game for Isaiah Wong. Also, he's kind of in a little bit of a slump anyway. He's only hit four times value in three of his last 10 games. And so everything kind of points to not playing Isaiah Wong tonight. But the thing we do know about Isaiah Wong is that he has a high ceiling. He has two games over 50 fantasy points this season, and he's still going to be a big part of this Miami offense. He still attempted at least 12 shots in his last three games. And so I don't know. Isaiah Wong, I don't really quite know what to make of him. I think he's definitely a high-risk player, but he is a guy that carries a lot of upside. And because he has so many things going against him on paper, he may come in a little bit under-owned compared to what we might normally expect. Looking a little down the board, we got Marcus Carr of Texas, who has two straight dud fantasy performances. It's funny how, like... Just solid or okay real-life performances can be duds in the DFS world or in the fantasy world, right? Because Marcus Carr, he's still played solid basketball for Texas. He's made good decisions. He's taken good shots, and he's been good at the end of close games. But in fantasy, like, it hadn't really done anything for us the last two games. He has not seen the same usage rate in the last three games that he had been seeing at the start of conference play. I think a lot of these Big 12 defenses are trying to be very physical with Marcus Carr and trying to make things tough on him. And so you're seeing, you know, kind of a little bit of an adjusting period on that. And he scored 10 or less points in both games against Kansas last season. Kansas really had his number. So Marcus Carr is another guy that, like Isaiah Wong, a lot of things point against him, which means that he's going to come in a little bit under-owned, and we know he's got upside. I think I would be okay personally skipping Wong and Carr, but like I said, we know that they've got upside, and we know that they're, you know, they're the highest-priced guys for a reason. So um, avoid them at your own risk, but they both definitely don't have a whole lot going for them heading into Monday night. Now, Jordan Miller of Miami, I regard as a safer play than Isaiah Wong and Marcus Carr. He's hit four times value in four of his last six games, one of which was a 33.5 fantasy point performance against Duke. And he's generally a more efficient player than Isaiah Wong. He shoots better from the field. Um, He gets a lot of boards as well. And so he definitely is a guy that is a safer option in terms of cash games and just looking for a steady floor in terms of what you want in DFS player. However, he does still have lesser usage than Isaiah Wong. And so that lesser usage is going to limit his ceiling. I don't think Miller has the same ceiling that Isaiah Wong does, but I definitely think he has a higher floor. Now, a little bit down the board is Kansas's Kevin McCuller, who was bothered by a finger injury in last game against Iowa State. He only played 23 minutes. You know, that is a little bit lower than his usual. He averages 30, and he scored only 19.8 fantasy points, also lower than usual. Now, I'm no medical expert, and there's not a whole lot of information out there um, for this, but it was listed as a finger injury, and I don't necessarily know what the status of a finger injury would be if you get two more days rest. Like, I don't know if that two days rest is going to do anything for him. I don't know if it's just going to be a matter of him getting through discomfort or if they can tape it. I don't know what, but anyway, it was a bad performance Saturday. I don't know if he's going to be able to bounce back tonight, but what I do know is that he dropped in price pretty big time because of that Saturday performance. And before that game against Iowa State, if you were looking at this price tag, he had three straight games of five times value. Again, at this price tag, not the one he was at, at this price tag. So I definitely think he's got a lot of upside. But, you know, 
I don't know what the deal is with that finger injury. I think they're going to need him for his defense in this game more than anything. And so I definitely think that he is, you know, he's going to be on the floor if he can be. But I don't know what's going to happen with that finger. I think between all the high-priced guards, he is probably the one with the most upside per dollar. Now, $100 less than Kevin McCuller is his teammate, Grady Dick, who can be very hot or cold. Like, you just really don't know what you're going to get with him on a night-in, night-out basis. And I would honestly rather pay $100 more for McCuller, even with the finger injury, than to sit here and mess around. Oh, oh, that was going to be a terrible sentence. Uh, I'm, I'm going to avoid the explicit tag on this episode and just call him Grady. But I would rather pay $100 more for McCuller than to pay a little bit down and mess around with Grady, if I'm being honest. Now, Miami's Nigel Pack, a little bit cheaper. Again, I would prefer to Grady. He has 28.3 fancy points the last time he played Duke, and he's another guy that he gives you a lot of upside. And, you know, from his time at Kansas State, he was an elite scorer. And so I really think that I'm just kind of waiting for a game where he just totally takes over, and I could totally see that happening against Duke. Jeremy Roach is really starting to turn the corner for Duke. Uh, he's really starting to turn into their leader. He missed a few games with injury and then came back off the bench for a few games. But now he is like firmly entrenched in the starting lineup, which is how it's been for the last three games. And there was a massive blowout against Georgia Tech that he was back for. But in his most recent two games, he's had 29 fantasy points or more. And so I definitely think he gives you a lot of upside. I definitely think he is one of my favorite plays for Monday night. However, the caution, he's going to be highly owned because everybody knows that he's going to be one of the best plays for Monday night. So um, if you do play him, just know that it's going to be coming with a lot of ownership. Now, Kansas's Dewan Harris Jr. is a very... What's the word I'm looking for? I guess mercurial fantasy player because he really needs to step up his game if Kansas wants to get back to where they were last season. From what I can tell watching Kansas, he is a total non-threat offensively at times. At times, he doesn't look like he wants to score the basketball like a whole lot. Like Teams are kind of just giving him a lot of space and letting him shoot if he wants it, and he's opting not to. And he can, like, he's a solid player. Like, I don't, I don't think he's, he doesn't need to be as conservative as he has been. And if this team wants to reach all their goals this season, they're going to need some production out of that point guard position. And I really just, if you really think Kansas is going to turn this season back around, then it's going to have to be with Dewan Harris being better. Now, if you want to lean into, well, he's in a slump, he's in his own head, like, you know, who can I play instead? Well, in the Iowa State game, Joseph Yesifu played 20 minutes at point guard and had 12 fantasy points. That's not a whole lot, but Joseph Yesifu was a very productive player in his time at Drake before transferring to Canvas, or Kansas, why did I say Canvas, before transferring to Kansas. And so I think that Yesifu does provide a little bit of upside if you think that Harris is just kind of, you know, beyond repair, I guess would be the way to say it. But I don't know. I think Harris is a solid player. I think he can get it back on track at some point, but I don't know if, you know, Monday night against Texas is going to be that game. A little bit further down the board, Duke's Tyrese Proctor has been really solid and really good cash game play, in my opinion. He's had seven straight games of 17.5 fantasy points or more, some of which have been with Jeremy Roach, some of which have been without Jeremy Roach. And he has three games in that stretch where he's had over 27 fantasy points. He comes with a solid floor and a high upside as well. I really think he is also, like Jeremy Roach, one of the better plays on paper for Monday night. Now for Texas, Tyrese Hunter and Serge Barry Rice are both also good options. I really like this um, high five to low six range for guards 
on this slate. Um, both really do a lot more in terms of you for fantasy scoring than just scoring the basketball. They get rebounds, they get assists, they get steals. And they're both guys that if Marcus Carr is not doing well, they are the two that pick up the slack, which they have done the last two games when Marcus Carr hasn't been great. Now, in terms of recent production, Serge Barry Rice has been a little bit better than Tyrese Hunter, but I think Tyrese Hunter does have a little more upside. We've seen Hunter have some really big games in his freshman year at Iowa State and this year at Texas. Look back to the Gonzaga game if you need evidence of that. And so I think that that's kind of how I feel about him. I think they're both very playable. I don't know if I would play them both in the same lineup, but Hunter has a little more upside. Rice has the more consistent production lately. Now, below $5,000 on DraftKings, I'm not seeing a whole lot of value. I've already mentioned Joseph Yesifu. Uh, for Miami, Wuga, Popor, and Bensley Joseph were just okay against Duke last time. They didn't kill you, but they also didn't give you four times value either. For Duke, Jacob Grandison and Jalen Blakes have almost been you know, out of the rotation since Jeremy Roach has gotten back. Uh, the one guy that is worth looking at is Texas's Arterio Morris. He is the minimum price on DraftKings for Monday night, and he's still playing about nine minutes a game. And he's averaging almost a fancy point per minute in conference play. Now, I know you, you might be thinking, well, you know, what good does nine fancy points do me? Well, what if um, Marcus Carr or Tyrese Hunter or Serge Barry Rice gets in foul trouble and Arteria Morris has to come in and play 20 minutes? All of a sudden, that looks like a really good play. And honestly, he's super talented. Like I've said on the podcast all year, when it comes to college basketball, sometimes you just got to bet on talent. And I'm kind of thinking that at some point sooner or later, this talented freshman is going to have himself a game. Now, so far this season, it's happened in blowouts, you know, where Texas is playing inferior competition and he's come in and just lit it up in the second half. But there's going to come a point where Carr or Rice or Hunter or two of them are in foul trouble and they're going to need some production out of Arterio Morris. And I definitely think that on a two-game slate, this would be a good spot to deploy him in and it give you a lot of sour relief for playing some other high-priced options. All right, that does it for the guard position. So let's take a quick breather, and then we're going to break down the big fellas. So at the forward position, we have three guys above $8,000. And I'm going to be honest, you're probably only going to be able to play one of them in your lineup unless you want to get super bold and go with multiple guys that are under $4,000. And I really just don't think that's the move on this slate. Now, when it comes to which one of these guys above AK do we want to play, Let's, let's break them down. So Kyle Filipowski's production with Jeremy Roach back in the starting lineup is a bit of a concern for me. In the three games since Jeremy Roach has been back in the starting lineup, Filipowski's only averaging 31.4 fantasy points per game. In the three previous games before that, he was averaging 43.5 fantasy points per game. And unfortunately, I think he's still priced like the guy who is averaging 43.5 fantasy points per game. In these two stretches, he went from averaging 17 shot attempts to 12 shot attempts. However, all that being said, this is a small slate. And so, you know, some of that stuff kind of goes out the window because, like, you know, he still has the chance to go off. And this is a matchup where he could go off. Miami is one of the smallest teams in college basketball. They play four guards and a six, seven, you know, not true five man um, that plays the small ball five in Norchad Omir. And so they're a team that can get bullied inside. And they have been routinely. And Filipowski is one of the guys who has done that. He had 45.5 fantasy points when they played Miami last time. And in that game, if you're worried about Jeremy Roach's role, Jeremy Roach came off the bench in that game and played 27 minutes. So it's not too far off from since when he's returned to the starting lineup. So I think this is actually kind of a good and also bad spot for Kyle Filipowski, if that makes sense. Like, it's a great matchup, great game environment, but 
the usage in the last three games is a little bit concerning. So it could go either way. And on a small slate, I don't know if he's going to come in as the most highly owned guy. I think a lot of the ownership is going to navigate to Jalen Wilson. And so maybe, just maybe, he might end up being one of the plays of the night by the time it's over because of the upside that he does bring you. Now, also going up against Falapowski, Norchad Omir was really good in the first game against Duke. He had 36 fancy points. I think he's a solid play as well if you don't want to pay up for Wilson or Filipowski. Now, let's talk about the other side, Jalen Wilson. So, Jalen Wilson has the highest floor of any player on the slate. 31 fancy points is his low in Big 12 conference play. That's kind of insane. Now, in the two games against Texas last year, he did have two pretty solid performances. The first matchup, he had 17 and 13, and then the second matchup, he had 18 and 11. And so you're looking at two pretty solid fantasy point totals in those games. And like I said, he brings that floor with him. And so I think that Jalen Wilson, if you're playing a cash game, I would much prefer him to Omir or Filipowski. In a GPP, I don't know if he gives you that same level of upside as Filipowski, and I think he's going to carry more ownership than Filipowski, but I definitely think he is still playable. And I do think that this game could end up being the hiring scoring of the two of them. And so I still think Jalen Wilson is a solid, solid option. Now, looking far down the board, we skipped the 7K range altogether for the forwards um, in this slate. We got Timmy Allen of Texas. So Timmy Allen is a very matchup dependent player. There are some games where Watching enough Texas basketball, I just look at who he's matched up against, and it's like, oh, Timmy Allen's going to have a good game tonight. Like, the Baylor game last Monday night, as soon as the game started, I realized, oh, man, this is a great spot for Timmy Allen because they had a guard on him. And Timmy Allen is the type of guy that he is going to be physical and be able to bully guards. But yet, at the same time, if you try to guard him with, like, your five-man, he's going to be able to blow by him. So in this matchup against Kansas, just kind of looking at it on paper. Kansas plays three guards, um, Dewan Harris, Grady Dick, and Kevin McCuller. And they play Jalen Wilson as their four, and they play KJ Adams as their five. And so you're going to look at, we don't want the Texas player in our lineups that is being guarded by Kevin McCuller. He's one of the best perimeter defenders in the nation. I think there's a chance that that is Marcus Carr. I also think there is a chance that that is Timmy Allen. And if it's Allen... That's going to leave Grady Dick or Dewan Harris on Marcus Carr, which we like that matchup, honestly. Um, if they put McCullough on Carr and it's Grady Dick or Dewan Harris on Timmy Allen, that's a mismatch. If it's Jalen Wilson on Timmy Allen, Jalen Wilson's going to get in foul trouble. So I don't think that's going to last very long. So I think that Timmy Allen, matchup dependent player, but I think there's some upside. He had two He had two games against Kansas last year, one of which was pretty good. He had 24 and nine. The other game was not so good. He had nine, four, and four in that game. Four points, or I'm sorry, nine points, four rebounds, four assists, that is. And so, I don't know. I think he's definitely a guy that has a lot of upside, but also carries a lot of risk. And I think it's one of those where, like against Baylor the other night, once the game's tipped off and I see who Bill Self is guarding Timmy Allen with, I'm going to know immediately whether or not he's going to have a good night or a not so good night. K.J. Adams Jr. of Kansas is playable in this game because of the amount of success the Bigs have had against Texas this season. Spoiler alert, it's a lot. And so I think that that definitely makes some upside for K.J. Adams Jr. in this spot. Now, on the other hand, though, the same thing could be said for Kansas's big situation. They give up a lot of points to the interior as well, such as what they did to Osuna Suni on Saturday against Iowa State. And so I think that that opens up um, – a lot of production opportunity for Dylan DeSue, Christian Bishop, and Dylan Mitchell. Now, DeSue probably fits the profile of the guys that have had success against Canvas or Kansas. Why do I keep saying Canvas? 
the guys that have had success against Kansas just because of his size and his rim protection ability and his athleticism. But Christian Bishop had two really good games against Kansas last year. And Dylan Mitchell, you've got a super affordable price for a guy who's super talented and is still a regular part of the rotation as well and might be their best bet to guard Jalen Wilson. So I think that in terms of ranking the three of them, I would probably go on a pure points basis, Bishop, DeSue, Mitchell. But in terms of a points per dollar basis, I think the argument could be made that Mitchell might actually be number one. And so I think that these Texas bigs, I don't. I think you can even stack two of them. I wouldn't play three of them, but I think that you could stack two of them together and have a lot of upside still as well. Now, I, I kind of mentioned this point with Dylan Mitchell, but you know, bet on talent. And Derek Lively of Duke is starting to prove that correct. Four out of his last five games, he's been over 27 fantasy points. One of those was against Miami. And he only played 18 minutes, and he had 28.5 fantasy points in that game. And he's playing more minutes now than he was then. I think this is a great spot for Derek Lively. And kind of my same thoughts about Jeremy Roach. On paper, it's such a good play that he is going to carry a lot of ownership. But I think I'm okay with that for Derek Lively. Now, in terms of Duke's other big men, I would personally rather play Mark Mitchell than Ryan Young. But I would rather play Lively than both of them. And I think both of those two are avoidable altogether. Young has been benched in the starting lineup for Derek Lively and is almost being phased out of the rotation. He didn't play much against Carolina, who is a big team, which theoretically would mean you'd have to get some minutes out of him. And Mark Mitchell just hasn't shown a lot of upside. And if Derek Whitehead is back, it could mean bad news for either of these two guys. So I'm kind of fine just avoiding those two and playing Lively when it comes to the Duke forwards. Now looking further down the board, of all the options below 5K, I think my pick might be Dylan Mitchell. Brock Cunningham is worth a mention, though. He's just this spark plug energy guy off the bench that other teams you know, don't really pay a whole lot of attention to defensively because he's not a super big offensive threat, but he's going to play a lot of minutes because of what he does with rebounding. Uh, he can you know, dribble the ball in fast breaks and get assists. He gets steals. He gets blocks, but he's just not that great of a scorer, and so his upside is a little bit capped, but I do think he's worth a mention because at that price tag, there is definitely a chance he can get you four times value. Uh, and then the punt play that I like on this slate is Ernest Uday of Kansas. Um, he doesn't play a whole lot of minutes, but if we were ever to see a situation where KJ Adams gets in foul trouble or um, you know Jalen Wilson gets in foul trouble and he has to play, he's got some upside. He had 18.5 fantasy points in only 10 minutes against Kansas State last week. So, you know, maybe if you, you know, kind of the same thing I said about Arterio Morris, if you end up in a foul trouble situation, then, you know, and he plays more minutes, then that's some serious upside. You know, 1.8 fantasy points per minute is kind of ridiculous. So um, I definitely think small slate, you can afford to be a little bit different and you can afford to go with a punt play. And I think he might be the guy that I would go with among all of the forwards. All right, so that does it for the Monday, February 6th slate. Like I said, two fun games to watch. I'm definitely glad that it's going to be two high-quality games on this Monday night of college basketball. You know, it could be a bigger slate for us, but hey, I'll, I'll take two high-quality games over not having a slate any day of the week. And so if you want to see how I synthesize all this information together and put it into my lineup, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Make sure you give me a follow on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. Drop some extra stats and facts that I don't always get to on the show, and I'm more than happy to answer any lineup or start sit questions. And lastly... If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, please rate, subscribe, and review. It really helps me out a lot. All right, y'all. 
that does it for the podcast today. I will be back tomorrow talking about the Waste Management Phoenix Open, the PGA Tour tournament for this week, and I'll be posting my college basketball thoughts on Twitter since we will be devoting the episode to golf, so make sure you stay tuned for that. All right, y'all, best of luck in all your DFS endeavors, and I will see y'all next time.